your healing after going through trauma she'll make you laugh Edna Estrada if you're going through trauma you need Edna as your trauma life coach Edna well, hello, hello, everybody. My name is Dominica. I'm so-called Coach D because most people cannot pronounce for the life of them Dominica. So it's Coach D for most people. I am a coach. I've been a coach previously from a very different world in Europe. I used to coach career coaching and in a very different place. And my story is quite normal. And it's quite fascinating, like your story. I was born in Eastern Europe. I had a mom who was an actress. I was never there. She was always absent. And I was this little girl standing at a doorway going, mom, 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 how are you? I missed you. And she would come into the house, go, oh, I'm so tired. Just, just let me sleep. So the rejection was there from the very beginning. It's not that she didn't love me. It was that she had no clue how to love me. And because of her ways, she was not able to show love. That kind of overlapped with me being epileptic, where I would have seizures in the middle of nowhere, pee myself in front of people, feel embarrassed, and people would think I'm a drug addict. And they would attach labels. And then I started making very bad choices when it came to men. I was beaten, raped, had a gun next to my head. And when I went to college, people told me, oh, you're dyslexic and epileptic? Well, you're pretty, but you know what? You shouldn't go to college. People like you, you know, you might fight in a husband, you know, because you're pretty, but don't expect too much from life. So I was literally miserable. And then I met the gift and the most difficult man of my life, who was the cruelest man. And he did absolutely everything to me you can imagine under the sun, including raping me after I gave birth to my son. Um, his name was Patrick. The difficulty with that story is that when I was giving birth to him, I died. And then when I came back, I knew my son would die too. And he did 16 months later. So all this trauma combined went into a depression for two years. I truly don't remember anything there. And then one day I had this epiphany. I don't know where it came from. It was just a day. And I'm like, if I'm suffering so much and I'm so miserable, there, my mom would not survive this if I will take my life. So all of that led to me kind of crawling out of the hole, but in the wrong way. I didn't know that it was the wrong way. I got myself a coach, a therapist mainly. At that time, we didn't have many coaches in Eastern Europe. And I started living. I achieved everything you can imagine for a woman. Successful, bright, you know, money, house. I got it all. And I'll come back home and cry. I got married. I had twins. He was a good guy. Just not for me. And I got divorced. So I was raising my twins on my own, everybody admiring me how amazing I am and me sitting home crying and being miserable. And then again, an epiphany came. If there are so many things that are happening over and over and over again, it cannot be the world. I have to be doing something wrong. What am I doing wrong? Life cannot be this. Life cannot be all about being miserable and unhappy and angry and frustrated and all those negative emotions. So I started reading and reading and Tony Robbins and all those other gurus that are out there. 
uh, found myself a coach, went through trauma, went to training. <clears throat> and you know what? I came out on the other side. I am probably the happiest person you'll ever meet. My happiness is absolutely encoded in my DNA. I am thriving. The outside world cannot change my mood. And if it does, it doesn't change like it used for months or weeks. It's literally a few hours. I am happy that I wake up. I am happy that I'm drinking my favorite coffee. It's vanilla coffee. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, and life is just amazing. And when I got to that stage, I was, okay, I worked on myself for 11 years. I was single and working on me with my two kids, just going, okay, I want to be happy. That's my goal because life falls into place when our brain is connecting with that happiness. We start to notice those beautiful things. You know, you couldn't be sitting in traffic and going, ooh, you know, oh, I hate this traffic, California. I totally get it, right? The traffic is just incredible. Yes. You know why? Because that's actually me time, me time to learn, me time to call my friends. Nobody's bothering me. I'm going 10 an hour and I have a choice and I'm making that choice. I can either get pissed off and curse at the traffic or use it to my advantage. I actually started learning Arabic in traffic and I did pretty good. Then I found myself a teacher. Um, I returned all the phone calls. I didn't text people back because I was driving. Well, driving. It was more like walking, but it is a choice. It is a choice what you do in a situation. And I have the privilege to be trained by Dr. Amen. Um, he is from California. You guys can check him out, Amen Clinics. And he's the guy who is the first psychiatrist that decided to look at the organ he's treating. He doesn't ask, you know, how are you feeling? He does the test, but then he looks at your brain. And the science behind is phenomenal because he created, he added to coaching based on knowledge scientific knowledge of the brain and then my other mentor and my other certification comes from neuron coding he's also in california <laughs> and that's joseph mckeldon the third he works with he's a phd in psychology and neuropsychology phenomenal two gentlemen with very different approach to coaching very different approach to our life and i am privileged to say that i'm able to help people one-on-one -on -one in groups or just via podcasts, share my knowledge so you can make your life a better place for you to live because there's nobody more important than you. Oh my goodness, Amika. I have so many questions for you. First Let's of all, go. <laughs> first of all, I'm sorry to hear about your baby and, and everything you went through. Don't be. See, yeah. that's the Don't be. Because my son that died, first of all, I was dead and I experienced being dead. I'm not afraid to die anymore. Mm -hmm. That's a great thing. Second of all, my son that died taught me how to love. I'm a different person because of him. He gave me a gift of true love and giving and knowing that I don't need to get something back to give because I'm enjoying giving and that life can end at any minute. So share that love, share the good words, share the support because you might regret if you don't. So he was absolutely mandatory in my life. And he gave me all the love he could at the time he could. I'm not, it sounds weird, but I'm past that trauma. No, no, I'm no. Good. Yes. And I totally understand. And I think you're the first even coach, I want to say, 
that because I think very similar to you. But when I express this, especially to people that are not in the industry, they think I'm nuts. They really do. You can see the judgment. You can feel it. I've shared the for maybe for people that are not in Cal in LA or California don't understand this, but the traffic is horrendous. <laughs> and I but I felt similar to you where I'm like, oh, this is when I get to listen to my podcast. When I was getting some of my trainings, I re-listened to them in the car because it gave me over two hours to kind of learn and digest things. So, and when I express that to people, they'd say, you're crazy. Like there's places to be, there's things to do. Like you could just feel the, like I said, the judgment. So I think you're the first person that understands this. But I, I have a question for you. So this is a question that comes up a lot um, when I have Q&As. You said um, you were suicidal and you thought about your mom. You said my mom would not be able to survive this. Survive this. Yeah. And isn't that so interesting that I feel, would, would you say that's a good thing, I guess, because I feel like it's so interesting to me that even at our worst moments, we're thinking about someone else. It sounds like that was your kind of like so your I don't even know where that thought came from. I remember that thought because that was the moment I said, okay, I got to try. I've been told, I don't remember that, that I was tied always to somebody because I would walk under cars. I would, I don't remember anything. So I only know stories of those two years of my life after my son died. I remember tremendous pain of my skin. I mean, I, I never thought you're eyebrows can hurt your, I mean, literally everything can hurt and it does. And I don't know where that feeling of my mom, but I think I truly believe that we as humans are in general good. We're generally good people. Now we are programmed in a certain way and we act in a certain way to prevent ourselves from getting hurt. And I have, um, I was listening to this training and one of the coaches I love that story so I'm going to share it because that kind of beautifully ties it when we're using certain behavior and strategies to protect ourselves when we're five and we're hiding or surrounded by pillows it gives us protection feeling of safety and we're doing great if we use the same strategy when we're 40 not so much and we just sometimes need to update our strategies. And my mom was just this flash, but my mom wouldn't be it if I would not decide. I would not decide. My mom obviously was suffering, looking at her daughter suffering, right? Mm. But I would not be where I am if I wouldn't decide that there is something more to life and I want to try at least. You always have time to kill yourself. That's the truth. There's never too late to do that if you decide to. But those strategies that you use very often keep you prisoner. And my behaviors and things that I was going through that I don't remember. And then later on, I had no friends after I came out of that hole because I would say, hi, my name is Dominica. My son just died. And people wouldn't know what to do with it. They were like, okay, good. Um, let me go the other way because, and I get it now. But then I felt all alone. Nobody understands me. I think we are as humans connected to being good. Literally. Now we might be misguided with our behavior, but we are in general good, most of us. So those flashes of people we love, that's our nature, being good. We don't want to hurt anybody on purpose, most of us. And I think all of us, that's why we get that flash of somebody, our mother or cousin or baby 
are whatever, whoever is important to you. At that time, my baby was gone. So my son could not, could not have been, you know, that flash. But guess what? I've died. He's good. He's good. Up there, it's pretty fun. Right. I totally agree. Dominique, I have another question. So going back to the, the memory loss that blacked out, that happened to me also. I've shared this multiple times. Would you be able to pinpoint or do you remember? You say you, you don't remember, right? Anything from that time. So that period, is that period still blank to you? It is. And um, I remember elements. I remember pain. I remember severe pain of my skin hurting, my nails hurting, my eyelashes hurting. I remember that. Um, I don't remember specific events, but my brain is kind of predisposed to do that because I'm epileptic. And after I have a seizure, I have blackouts and I don't remember anything. Now, some of the memories come back. Some of the memory are wiped out. I'm not really worried because I have worked through trauma and things that I went through. So I'm fully aware what a gift they were. And I know, again, that sounds weird, but they were because they made me who I am. Tony Robbins says that if you're going to blame somebody for the bad, make sure you blame them for the good as well, because they made you fully who you are without those difficult moments. And nobody's saying they're not difficult. You wouldn't be who you are. The key is to actually allow them to process because when we stuff them away, they come out. I've processed my son's death. Now, the fact that I don't remember if I was sleeping or eating or what somebody was saying, that really doesn't matter because not I don't think anything happened during those two years besides me sleeping and crying okay. and being in pain. I, I wasn't for sure I wasn't working because I would not be able to work. Um, I know I was in my mom's house and I was taken care of. So obviously I ate, obviously I, you know, I'm alive. So if I got sick, somebody took care of me. Um, I remember crying. I remember being in pain, but I don't think, I, I don't think I was in any social settings where something could have happened. I was kind of in this, my world bubble. So there's not much more to process. And I did process the pain and I did process the loss and the grief. Um, and it took a while. It wasn't something that, you know, came, oh, I'm done. Um, after those two years, I, when I went to therapy and then I had a coach for many, many years, the sound of coming paramedics and even on TV, the sound of the heart monitor going, I would fall apart. I would fall apart. Movie, not movie. It would just, it was a trigger. Now it's not. Now I'm fine. It took a while and I accepted that. I said, okay, this is what needs to happen. It needs to go away. And it's not that time heals wounds. It's I chose to heal that wound. If I would have choose to stay, would have chosen to stay in that pain, I would have still be there. I have a friend who I really in California that I would love to help, but she chooses to stay in pain of her child loss. She lost her son when he was 17. And that was... 15 years ago and she is still there she's still there and she chooses to be there because it became part of her identity and that is the difficult part I don't want to be identified as a mother of a lost child I want to be identified as a mother who thrives although she lost the child and can help other mothers to do the same yeah, it's it's hard once you're rooted in that. I, I think that was the hardest part for me. Just not even 
I wanted to change my identity, but I just didn't know what that would mean. Because mm-hmm. does that mean you're okay with what happened? Does that mean you forget the memory of, of the, your loved ones? You kind of don't know. You don't even want to think about it, I feel like. And I we, we have a lot of people like that here. And they want to get better. And they tell us when we have our Zoom meetings. We ha- I have a monthly Zoom call with like a group of girls. And they want to, but they just don't know what's on the other side. Somehow it feels worse. Do you um, hear, and now you're here. And so I think maybe what I take it as is that maybe they feel it's a betrayal. I, um, at least that's the sense I get. I've never had to get over death. I've never, honestly, that's one trauma I've never really had to experience. I I will. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm afraid of it just because of other things I've gone, like my perspective has just changed near death experiences for myself. But I, 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 I feel very similar to you where I'm just not afraid of death. I'm not, to me, my fear is not living. Does that make sense? My fear is not being able to enjoy this, this conversation, helping the people because then it's all for nothing. I feel like, does that make sense? I, I, so the fear is your driving point? Sort of. I don't know. I, you know. I've done so much work around fear because I was I was labeled as a fearful child. I was fear. I was labeled as a shy child. I was labeled as an introvert. And now, after doing all my work, I'm like, I'm not an introvert. I get my energy from people, not like in a vampire sort of way, but I just feel revived after conversations with people after going outside. And I wonder now, like, where the hell did I even get that from? I'm not really that shy. I think I'm normal shy, but um, What's yeah. a normal shy? I guess just being, you know, when you don't meet someone and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know how they're going to react if I talk to them or, you know, just being a little worried and trying to feel the, the energy around someone that you meet for the first time. I would say that's normal shy. Okay. But, why would you be worried how they react out of curiosity? Oh, because I, I, that's what I don't know. I was just told my mom would like, I'd be next to her and the kids would want, and she'd be like, no, she's very shy. She's very shy. She needs to sit here and she wouldn't let me go play. And I just equated that with like, oh, I just sit here. There's must be something dangerous about me going to Uh play with the other kids so programmed by your mom I was programmed yes that's the word is your mom shy no no my people are terrified of my mom till this and day she's gotten a lot better okay do you think it could be possible that your mom has a facade yes of being I'm this power woman but inside she's very shy and afraid Oh, a thousand percent, because I would see how she was with other people. And then I knew what was happening at home. Right. And I would see her breakdowns and stuff. So, yeah, I had actually not thought about that. You know, it was like maybe I was her little ego, her little walking ego or something, you know? Yeah. And but I was just labeled and I carried that label with me till uh, what was it? Maybe eight years ago when I started getting into coaching and stuff and and, and then things didn't make sense anymore. <laughs> I was like, nothing makes sense. I don't think this is who I am. I had to relearn who I was and what, what I was and what this world. 
Yeah. So you said you had to relearn who you were, not rediscover. Or, or maybe just discover. I didn't know. Like, I just didn't. I was told I was this. And uh -huh. I acted like it. I lived up to it. And then I don't know. But I think that I was always so anxious. And I was always like jittery. And you would see me and you would think I was on drugs. I was always like my hand or my foot. And and then it stopped. And then one day I met this girl and, you know, we, we really hit it off. And I was like, oh, like she was like, do you want to go have some coffee? And I, I was like, um, sure. It was the first time like someone had asked me out for as a friend. And we had a great time. And I was like, that's weird because I'm shy and I'm not good with people because that's I mean, my mom would go far right. and like she's not good with people. She doesn't talk and she would cover physically cover my mouth like this. And so we had a great conversation and I was like, oh, that was and I like left feeling so energized. And I was like, that's weird. Like, why? Why am I happy? So then I thought it was her. And then when she moved away, I got really sad and I didn't make friends for like a year. And it's just like so interesting to me that and then after that, that's I was already doing some of the work and I'm like, well, what if I ask like someone to go have coffee, you know, like, why don't I do more things with my husband? He likes to have fun stuff. I, he likes to do fun things. But before I didn't even want to go out with him. I mean, we were already married and I was like, no, I have to be home. I have to just stay here and be quiet. And what you're saying is so true for so many people. We are infused. I literally made a post on my page today about this. <laughs> literally. Um, we are infused with somebody's perception of reality. We're infused with expectations from society and our parents. And we literally have no clue who we are. And when you're living up to somebody's expectations and you don't know who you are, you are depriving yourself of true happiness. And to that, I can tell you a story because I was raised in Eastern Europe. Culturally, being happy in Eastern Europe is unacceptable, period. If you are professional, you should be very professional. Have no influx of your voice. Be very serious. And that's the only time you will be taken seriously. So not me. I'm like all over the place. I'm a happy person. And when I recorded one of my coaching pills, my mom goes, Dominica, I got to give you feedback. I'm like, please, mom, do. You're too happy. Nobody's going to trust you. I'm like, mom, I appreciate your feedback. And I like being happy. But no, but I want you to succeed. Listen to those words. I want you to succeed and nobody's going to trust you. I'm like, mom, I understand what you're saying. Yet this is me. And if I am to succeed, I will anyway. But you're not like this. I'm like, mom, I love you. And I appreciate what you're saying. What you know is me in a society of Eastern Europe where I was not allowed to be me. You told me multiple times that since I moved back home to US, I'm thriving and I'm happy and I'm joyful. It is because this is me. I don't have to adhere to community standards of being serious, but I don't know you like this. Would you like to know me like this? Would you like me to know me happy? It literally aggravates her. My happiness makes her uncomfortable. And that's a very Eastern European thing. 
And I lived like this for 38 years. Can you imagine that all of us do the same thing until we have this light bulb come up going, that's not me. This doesn't feel right. And that feeling you got there, that is so true. I don't know how many of your listeners have that, but when you get that feeling, that's weird. This feels right, but it shouldn't. Follow that feeling. Follow that feeling. Grab that feeling. Prime that feeling. Put it in your heart and discover it more because that's your true self crawling out and going, hmm, this is different. I like it. Oh, I love that. Do you have um, any tips or any advice on how to tap into that feeling? Because I know like a lot of people like myself, I didn't know that feeling. I didn't even, I was really, it made me very scared. I was like, what is this? It doesn't make sense. Is there any way for someone like for our listeners so that they don't get caught off guard where they can kind of start discovering that feeling? Are there any exercises they can do or mantras or anything they can start playing around with so i would start with the basic one and it's very important that you understand the difference between affirmations and difference between incantations there are two different things so if you for example believe in god or you meditate if you pray and go dear god thank you for the food blah 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 thank you amen that doesn't do anything to your brain scientifically If you evoke an emotion while you're doing this, you create a connection. That connection repeated becomes stronger and becomes a pattern. So let's say me, I found my favorite coffee. And every morning when I have just one cup of coffee a day, I remember everything that was good. This is the moment I go, okay, So yesterday I went for a walk and yesterday I did my 10,000 steps and yesterday I did this and today is going to be a great day. I start going through in my head different positive things that I can feel. Sometimes when I do priming uh, and I do with Tony Robbins, you guys can try that. Um, It's a 15 minute priming and it's called Unleash the Power Within. Priming with Tony Robbins, it's free on YouTube. And I go into that state of, following whatever he says to a point where I start crying. I feel the feeling so strongly that I evoke enough emotions to start crying with happiness. That is what you want. You want consciously feel because then when that feeling comes, your brain will go, oh, that's feeling of happiness. I like it. And what I would strongly suggest, it's something called anchoring, but anchoring can be used in different ways. You know, when you give, Mel Robbins teaches that, give yourself high five, right? Anytime we give a high five, what do we do? What did you just do? You just smiled. Smiled. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So anytime you smile, you release dopamine and you reduce cortisol and you change your biochemistry physically, biologically, science proven, nothing to check. So what happens is, When you start recognizing those feelings, you make a move or remember something, or I don't know, think of, I don't know, a rubber band, whatever. Make something that when you look at it or a move that you make or you snap your fingers, that you can bring that feeling back. 
The same thing what happens when we give five five, we release those happy hormones. So you can actually teach yourself to react the same way to different feelings because you already done it with the high five. When somebody smile, when a kid smiles at you, there's no way you cannot smile back. It, it just doesn't happen because it comes from the inside, the energy, the smile, the big eyes, it just works, right? Yeah. And you smile back and again, you're primed. You're literally taught your brain that this is what you do when you see this. So you can actually consciously do that to yourself. And anytime you see, I don't know, a bird, whatever, morning coffee, you bring back those feelings that you feel and you release the positive hormones. I also encourage you to make a choice every morning and tell yourself it's going to be a great day and feel it, be excited about it. Because in the world, you have a choice. There are all the bad things in the world happening and you can concentrate on that. Shootings, mass shootings, killings, everything. But there are so many great things happening in the world and you can concentrate on that too. Your brain will always prove you right. And that's why it lies to you. Um, but that's a different story. Uh, yeah. So you get to choose what you focus your brain on. Are you going to be looking like if you believe truly inside that people are bad, your brain will pick out their behaviors that you see around that will prove you right. On the other hand, if you believe like I do that people are good, my brain picks out the fact that people smile at me at a superstore. My brain picks out that somebody handed me a bag that I dropped. And I'm excited because I experienced such a nice thing from another human being. And again, it's my choice what I focus on, where do I concentrate my brain on? So these exercises are very basic, but they're not simple. And they're difficult if you've been living your life the other way around. So, so powerful, right? They just take a little practice, a little everyday practice. Little everyday for the rest of your life practice. Yes. But guess what? You, you've practiced being unhappy your whole life. You might as well practice being happy for your whole life. Oh, that's such a good point. Definitely, right? It takes the same energy. Yeah. Like to sit there and be like, oh, woe is me. Yeah. And I think people misunderstand happiness. It's not about being happy. Oh, yay. Somebody died. No, 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 no. We're not going there. We're choosing things to be happy about. But when it's time to process, see, pain is natural. Pain is natural. It's a part of our human experience. It's life. And it's a good thing. We're supposed to feel pain. Suffering is a choice. When you stay in that pain, that's a choice. Feeling pain, it's not a choice. It's something very natural. We're taught through this that something is good or bad or to avoid it. And it's absolutely necessary for our brain and our body. Yet if we decide to suffer and stay in that pain and willow and whine and just relive it, that is a choice. And this is when you, where you can change your life. Because it's okay when you lost a child to suffer. It's perfectly okay. And it would be abnormal if after two days you would go, oh, I'm good. I'm fantastic. Let's go party. That's not where we're going with happiness. Happiness is healthy when you process all, all of your emotions, not just, you know, the good ones. Right. Oh my gosh, Dominica, this is going to help so many people. I'm having so many like brain explosions in my brain right now. 
uh, so many, I think this is going to cause a lot of breakthroughs. They just need that fire. I think a lot of us just need like that fire that ignites. And, and now what makes you happy? Like on daily basis? On just like the little things. Well, like you, my coffee, but I'm a hazelnut girl. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do something similar. I, I meditate and I pray. Um, my praying though, it's, it's probably a little, I'm not religious. I don't consider myself religious. My praying is not really like, um, Oh God, can I please have this? It's more like demanding, uh, or not demanding, but just like accepting, like, thank you for my beautiful day. And like you, my brain has already been wired to see the beautiful stuff. I'm going to use the word annoying. Maybe the most annoying part is that people will often compare me to, I don't know if you have ever watched the show Friends. There was this character that was like always very happy. I think he was dating one of the girls in the show. And he was like, I'm so glad. I'm so happy for this cup of coffee. I'm so happy. And then like people will make fun of me and they say I'm that guy. Because <laughs> I think like everything. Okay. I, yeah, I don't like. So it, for me, it's just everything. Like I could have a boring day sitting home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so comfortable. I'm so glad I'm like away from the sun. But my brain just does that automatically. I don't like think about but it, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. And I love that about me. I really, truly love that about me because 10 years ago, even I would have never known this version of Edna existed. I didn't know it was possible. And now it's just so natural. My feeling of happiness is very neutral. Like I'm not just like sitting there smiling all day. It's just very like neutral because I know the contrast, the contrast before was I was suicidal. I hated everyone. I hated myself. Everything was dumb. Even if the good things happened, I was like, oh, when is it going to end? Or it was a fluke or uh, it's not for me. Oh, yes. We're waiting for the end. Where is it going to end? Right. And now it's just neutral. So like this, this is making me really happy. This come, you're, I, I'm like obsessed with you. I'm going to go I know there's a part in me right now that's thinking like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I got to talk to Dominica, who's in freaking Houston. And how is this even happening right now? Right? I don't know. More than anything, I think it comes down to I'm happy for my intuition and my ability to take action on whatever I want. And every given day, like today, I'm like, well, I'm going to go look for someone to come in my podcast. And here I come and, and meet Dominica. So that comes from the intuition, from the feeling of being neutral and just following my, my happy place most days. You know what we call this, at least um, in brain coaching is enjoying the journey. Enjoying the journey. Because when we focus on the end and I'm also an HR manager. Okay. So when you create, for example, a motivational system, it is focusing on the end result. I'm going to get a raise. I'm going to get a new job. And biologically, your brain, your physiology, if you think back, and that's a question for everybody who's listening. When you think back to when you achieved your goal, how long were you happy for? Week, two days, two months, half a year? The average is three weeks. And we get used to what we have. So that's why achieving goals themselves is not a way to be happy because it lasts three weeks and it's gone. And then you're like, okay, so what's next? This is now normal, my new normal. I achieved that goal. And that's why enjoying the journey creates happy people. 
That's why it's hard work because we've been programmed by our society to go towards the end goal. It's important, yes. Yet if you don't enjoy the journey, daily successes, if you don't celebrate the fantastic things you've done every day, you will miss out on life because you'll be waiting for things that are far away than you'll be happy for three weeks, maybe three months if you're unusual, and it'll be gone. And you will again look for a bigger goal and you'll wait another few years to get to the another goal before you're happy again for three weeks. Is that really how we want to live? Is that really worth you know, our effort? What if we would be happy with the journey and those little achievements that get us closer to our goal? I love that. I hadn't thought about it that way for a lot of people because I right now I'm, I'm even getting a little sad thinking about you know, I chose not to go to college, but I, I'm very happy for the people that go through with it and are happy and make something out of it. But I do, I also know a lot of people, not a handful of people that waited their whole life and went through that whole journey with that, that end goal in mind. And then they got it and things have not turned out the way they thought they were going to be. Right. And they have uh, sad lives. Like not, not I'm not they're really sad. They're really sad. They're like, Oh, all this. And I like you, like, I want like your friend, you know, in California, I want to help them too, but it's kind of a choice. You have to choose to see how to, how they do have I to want it more than you do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking for any coach. Yeah. <laughs> because we would love to help everybody. Yet we can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped and they're not ready to do the work because it took you so many years to get where you are. It will take a few years to be in a different place. It's There are no magic tricks. There are no magic pills. We Brain coaching allows to use science to speed up that process outside of you know your psychology, your environment, uh, things that you eat. So by the way, if you're uh, a type of person who, and let me give you this tip. If you're a person who has tendency to be depressive and go into depression's bad mood, please check your B6, B12, ferritin, and D3. All those four are building blocks for neurotransmitters and transmitters of dopamine and other happy hormones. If you don't have enough of these, then it will be very difficult for you to be happy no matter how great your coach is. And that's the difference between brain coaching. We actually look at your blood work because if it's kind of like, if you want to build a house, you can build a house from hay and have the wolf come and blow the house away. Or you can build a house from bricks where wolf won't do much. And those bricks are your, it's your blood work, what you have in your system. If you're unhealthy and your brain has nothing to build those narrow connections from and those pathways from there is nothing really I mean I can work with you forever and the important part is don't accept the fact that something is in the norm because norm for example for d3 is between 30 and 100 if you're 35 they'll say oh you're low but you're normal that's not optimum you want to be optimum it is normal to start being forgetful at 40 and over but it's not optimum. And you get to choose, are you wanna be normal or you wanna work at your optimum? 
So D3 usually should be about 50 and 60 to be optimum to help you. If it's at 30, it's too low, although it is normal. Question, do you want to be normal or you want to work at your best without struggling? Because that helps you achieve your goals easier. Simple, vitamins, regular vitamins, saffron. If you can get saffron and add it to all of your food, it has proven to work as an antidepressant. It's a freaking flower. It's not cheap, but you can add it to food and a tiny bit of it will change your mood. You can try this before you start taking medication. Now, if you are on medication, please stay on that medication. Don't put it away because I said, so I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I am a coach and I've been trained to do certain things including what Dr. Amen teaches, try everything before you take. So if you're thinking about going on Prozac or, you know, like Silatopram or anything else, try those things first. If you are on medication, just add it. It's not going to hurt you. It's, it's a flower. It works. Yeah. So there are so many things we can do to make our life better without really working really hard and give ourselves a good base to grow. Because kind of like, you know, if you don't have a base, the tree will not grow. I mean, has nowhere to put the roots down. And you're a coach. If somebody is lacking those things and, you know, has low D3 ferritin, when you are lacking ferritin, you guys know what the ferritin is? I don't. Okay. So everybody has iron in their blood and this is a standard procedure. Everybody checks iron in your blood. Ferritin is iron in your cells. And those cells go into your brain and carry and allow your brain to build new neural connections. Most people don't check ferritin. They check iron. But me, for example, my iron is very normal. I have almost zero ferritin without taking additional iron, literally. So I get dizzy. I get cryy. I'm tired all the time. I'm sleepy if that is low. It's a simple thing. And imagine how would you feel if you would lose that sleepiness if that is the case. Just check, maybe your ferritin is low. And the feeling of being sluggish and tired and sleepy and you know being dizzy all the time and not wanting to do anything, it's just that. That's amazing. And you know what you're actually making me think of that I, I remember um, intuitively when I started going through my healing journey, I remember hearing the phrase, uh, trauma comes from a, um, it's a brain injury to think of it as a brain injury. Mm -hmm. So you think of, you know, you cut your finger, you don't just ignore it, right? You, you treat right. it. And if you keep reopening the wound, you want to treat it. Right. And so I started just intuitively taking, um, you know, they sell like a brain, uh, near, I don't know. They have like the word neural. That's just all, that's all I know. That's as far as my knowledge goes, but it's for the brain. So, cause I just thought like, well, there's something like wrong with my amygdala or something, maybe I can, aside from my spiritual work and the breath work that I was doing that I know is very powerful for your brain. And it is like absolutely, that. yeah, I, I also started taking that. And I, I really think, um, but I, I mean, I, I don't really know what I was taking, but I think it was the combination of like pushing my brain, giving it that little hand, the breath work, the spiritual work, the, the, getting educated on the mental. And I was also going to therapy and I also had a coach. So I just went like to war against my trauma is what I'm saying. But I don't think without um, those supplements, now I'm wondering if I would have had the same results because they were Probably built to the brain. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal that you 
subconsciously decided to take approach about everything. So it's not enough to go have a coach. It's not enough to just exercise. It's not enough. We are a whole being and our world consists of spiritual beings, consists of, you know, I'm not religious either, but I do meditate. And the closest I would be probably to Buddhism, um, if I would put myself anywhere on the scale. Um, I do evoke emotions, which some people call praying. I call this incantations. Okay. Um, so, and our body is part of our system. Now, let me ask you a question because most people don't ask themselves that question. And it's a very, very important question. If you would lose your memory and reference points, who would you be? Oh, oh my gosh. I have no idea. If I were to lose my memory for like just everything starting from right now. And reference points. Oh my gosh. You, I've never thought of that. I don't know. I don't know. You would be nobody. Yeah. Literally, you would be a shell. Because what makes us, everything what makes us is stored in my brain. Now, you still have your intuition. Because people who have epilepsy will probably confirm that. When we wake up and we lose our memory, we feel that we are safe or we're not. We feel we know somebody. We feel we recognize, but we don't know their name, who they are, and how they're related. We know nothing. At least I know literally nothing. I wake up and my brain is carte blanche. It comes back, but there are about 20 minutes of knowing nothing. And the only thing I can go off is my intuition. That person is safe. This place is safe. This is good. This is bad. How I feel. I don't even name that. It's just a feeling. That would be the only thing that's left. What makes you is your memories, reference points feelings as well yet if we don't take care of our brain we literally lose our identity because that's where it's stored people will not recognize us do you know that people can change their personalized 100 percent after a brain trauma a hundred they're unrecognizable and they're physically the same human yet their reference points their emotions their attachments their thinking process changes and they become somebody else. So we already know to exercise our muscles. We already know to eat right. What do we do for our brain? Because what makes us us is our brain. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even want this conversation to end because I have a lot of things to say about that too, right? Including, uh, it's interesting, everything that we do feed our brains is like through the TV, we, we, the stuff we watch, the stuff we listen to, the way we gossip, the, the stuff we allow to stay on a loop. And, and you're right. And I don't think we pay enough attention to our brain. Just, oh my gosh, I can, I can go on forever. I do have to end it. Oh my gosh. I feel like I want you to come back for part two. This is, I mean, if this was a vitamin, if the podcast episodes were a vitamin, I think you've been our most like nutrient danced episode so far there's so much in good information here and I think this is going to help a lot of people I do have one last question for you Dominica it's something yes. I ask all our guests do you believe it's possible to live a happy fulfilled life after trauma do you think there's a coming back from it absolutely what do you mean coming back from it are we like moving out to trauma land and never leaving even okay when you're in hell keep walking because even hell has a border I love that. That's beautiful. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Dominica. And then can you just tell us where we can find you? Where can people go look you up if they want to work with you? Absolutely. You can find me on Facebook, your brain coach D or your coach D. You can find me on Instagram, your brain coach D. You can email me your brain coach D at gmail.com. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on YouTube. Everything is your brain coach D or your coach D. My name is Dominika Staniewicz. I'm not even going to have you try to pronounce my last name, but I'm very easily findable. You can find me on LinkedIn as well with my personal last name. Yeah. So, um, I'm quite easy to find. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll add everything to the show notes. So if anybody's having trouble, they can just follow the link. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dominica. This was a beautiful interview. I can't even try. I feel like I just had a coaching session and for free. (laughs) (laughs) It was an honor. And I hope all of you guys have something for yourself from it that will improve your life. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Edna Estrada. If you're going through trauma, you need Edna as your trauma life.